One verse, Proverbs 18, and uh, I was really battling as, as far as what to preach on. You know, you guys know everything, which is great. Uh, so I won't enlighten you today, but I, I do think this will be helpful. And uh, I listened to a hymn this morning, and uh, we'll, we'll refer to it later. But uh, I just want to talk to you about the subject of friendships. Um, read this carefully. Verse 24, Proverbs 18. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for this place. Thank you for these students. Thank you for the potential in the room. Lord, what an awesome thing it is to have friends. And I just pray today that you'd help us, Lord, to count our friendships and just to stop and invest in other people and then appreciate the investment of others. And Lord, would you please speak to us? I pray that you'd use me, help me. And I pray that you'd help these young people today as they go about their way. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, well, uh, friendship isn't a topic that's normally discussed, especially in Bible college and in Bible college chapel, I'm sure. It's one of those things that as leaders, though, you're going to really, really, uh, it's going to play an integral part, however, in your leadership. I have really one regret as I look back to my first 18 years of ministry, and by the way, Sunday I preached, uh, 18 years ago Sunday, I preached for the first time in the Spanish department. And I can tell you one regret is that I have a lot of followers, if you will, or a lot of uh, uh, people that are acquaintances, but really I've made few friendships. And I want to endeavor to change that in my ministry in the future. And I used to hear leaders say, well, I'm a relational leader. You know, I just, that's just how I lead. And can I just be honest with you all? If you're a leader, you, you are relational, <laughs> whether that's the style that you're most comfortable with or not. God has called us to love people, and, uh, and that means uh, that, that involves relationships. So as, as we get started, and you're not going to have a ton of notes, you're just going to have like four words in a minute, and you're going to just have you know, some really disappointed thoughts, I think, when we finish. So let me start disappointing you by kind of painting the picture for you, okay? So just kind of follow the story. Uh, and this, this is about how it works uh, most of the time. Because the question here that we're going to answer is, if you were to die today, and some of you are like, would you be 100% sure? You know, that's not the question. <laughs> Hopefully you've settled that one, and if you haven't, you know, we'll talk about that. But if you were to die today, how many friends would come to your funeral? And I didn't say, you know, family members, because they have to come, right? You know, your Aunt Mildred, who you haven't talked to in 17 years, she's going to show up, okay? And she will cry a bucket of tears, because she knows if she doesn't show up, somebody will excommunicate her from the Thanksgiving or Christmas list, okay? So they have to come. But I said friends. So in the ministry, I, I remember uh, at uh, 21 years old, I started to preach. I remember my first week, I had my first funeral. A man died that I, I didn't even know. And so I showed up that Saturday to do the funeral, you know, and, and you start to figure some things out. I've done dozens of them since. And I remember uh, standing there and uh, just thinking about that. And so one of the things that you experience in the pastorate is, is, is that... Um, uh, you, you have, you know, and I hope you catch it here. So somebody dies, they're 57 years old, they have a heart attack. 
The 56-year-old wife, you know, comes into your office and there are three, uh, you know, young people, uh, uh, children, and one's, uh, you know, 30, the other one's 28, the other one's 26. They're crying a bucket of tears and and you help them through. You sit down, you plan, you talk about wonderful things. You ask about uh, their dad and they, they, of course, we pray with them. And, and, And I used to, I remember I used to ask the question, so... About how many people are you expecting? If you haven't figured out, we've got a lot of rooms here at Lancaster Baptist. So, And that was just me trying to figure out, okay, where do we need to hold this ceremony? I mean, we've got this auditorium, the other auditorium, then we had, you know, uh, 102 and all this. And, and they would say, oh, they would start to describe these incredible things. They would say, oh, our dad... Listen, Pastor, he was a friendly guy. I mean, he had so many friends. He was a salesman. He could talk to anyone. And he played in this league. And he worked at that church for so many years. And he was a social man. And he, oh man, he's got all these friends from from his childhood. And they would say, you know, surely we're going to have at least 500. And I would go, oh wow, 500. Man, that's going to be a big funeral. So we'd, you know, we'd get everything planned and 500 sandwiches and all this for afterwards. And And then the funeral would come and there'd be like 150. 50 people. And like a hundred of them are family members. Do you, do you kind of get what I'm trying to, where I'm trying to go with that? And you'd sit there and inevitably at the end of the service and then you'd go to the gravesite and you'd get done with the gravesite and then the family comes up to you and they're like, and it was almost like just as bad as losing dad and losing a husband. It was like, where was everybody? And you'd kind of sit there and you'd have to sort of massage that moment. So now, same situation. But I've experienced this enough. So where we get to that moment where we're going to talk about where we're going to hold the service, I always tell them now, I go, look, uh, I have no doubt he was a good man and a lot of good friendships. But just remember, people are busy and distances are, you know, uh, it's expensive to travel these days. And this is a bad time of the year, you know, and I would try to go through that kind of stuff. Do you guys see what I was trying to do there? I was trying to pastor them through so they would understand something very simple. <laughs> and I was trying to help their hearts not be disappointed as they went through the day. And a lot of people that they supposed were friends wouldn't show up. So this verse sheds some light on that. The Bible says, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And the Bible talks about friendships here in a way that if you really stop and think about it, we don't normally think of it. And I'm honestly going to tell you, I didn't think of it this way. And if I can be real honest with you, we're going to have a candid, honest conversation about friendships. And you're going to leave and you're going to go, I don't know that I like that, but I think that's exactly how it's gone it is in my life. And I think you're going to find that to be true. So uh, I wish somebody had told me these things when I was your age and I was in Bible college. And I, and I hope that honestly that you're going to be helped by it. So the goal obviously is to have true friendships. And, and we can talk about that. But I think, you know, you know, those begin with just somebody who gets to know your life and they get to know that, you know, you have quirks and and you're developing some of those right now. And they're getting to know, you know, the fact that uh, you only shower every three days in the dorm and that, you know, uh, there's people that don't really change their socks every day. You know what I'm talking about, right? They get to know your life. And then, you know, friendship develops not when they get to know you, but when they get to know when they accept you just as you are. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, you know, the guy that knows, you know, that funny, quirky thing about you, all of a sudden he actually likes you. Uh, just as you are, and, 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 and after they get to know you. And that's a good thing. I remember uh, uh, coming to college, and if I could be blunt with you, one of the biggest hesitancies about Bible college was I thought, everybody there is weird. 
And, uh, and Brother Getz, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, the college started when I was a senior in high school, and I would see some of these kids come in, and I, I just, the devil was playing on that. Man, I was struggling all the way up to the first day of my freshman year. I remember walking into the North Auditorium lobby, and here was, you know, this girl from Colorado, and she had like these elf shoes with bells. And I mean, I almost turned around and left right then. She was talking to another guy from Colorado. Anybody here from Colorado? Yeah, you guys are weird, man. I mean, <laughs> and he had a step cut. You know, problem was step cuts had gone out like four years earlier. You know, they were just apparently getting the news in Colorado, you know, and it was. And I was just like, I saw the two of them and that was enough for the devil to jump all over me and go, no, by the way, that guy is one of my best friends in the world today. <laughs> and he's as weird as all get out still. <laughs> And I have found that some of my best friends in the world have some quirky, funky things. I mean, they're just weird people. Is anybody here a missions major? You know, you guys are weird. I mean, every missionary is odd. And they're some of my best friends in the world. They get to know you. They accept you. And here's the third thing. They decide to serve you. They decide they're going to love you. And so they, they began to, you know, uh, text you and write you things. I was sitting right here and I got a, a text from a, a, a guy in Honduras who I met, you know, nine months ago. And it's amazing how the Lord has just uh, brought him into my life and, and has just been such an encouragement lately. And they begin to serve you and they say things like, man, I'm praying for that burden. And then, you know, they send you 50 bucks and then they, you know, begin to do things that, that are thoughtful. And they bring you that drink and they go, hey, I brought this for you. Hey, let's go to Walmart. Uh, you want to go? Uh, and, and, and things begin to happen. And then, you know what happens? Once that happens, then you do the fourth thing. And to me, that's when you begin to celebrate together. And these are the people that all of a sudden show up later in your life. And they, you know, and they're the ones that are there when you get ordained. And then the ones that show up when you lead that uh, first congregation, you know, you open your church and they're there. And this is the guy that just, you know, writes you when, uh, you know, things are going well. And this is the guy that shows up for your kid's birthday party. And all of a sudden, a friendship forms. Now, that's easy for us to understand. But, you know, it takes some steps. So let me talk to you about friendships, all right? The Bible says here in verse 24, a man that hath friends first must show himself friendly. So here's the first level of friendship. That's a circumstantial friend, okay? A circumstantial friend. These are the people, the Bible says, that as you go through life, the very, 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 very most important thing that must define a true follower of Jesus Christ is somebody who's just kind. In Spanish, the word kind and the word loving is the same word. And I like that because you know what? We're just supposed to go around being loving people. And if you do that, the Bible says, if you show yourself friendly, inevitably, the Bible says, you will develop some friendships. But this starts with, you know, the the guy at your work and it starts with the person you were assigned, uh, you know, that was assigned in your dorm room and and the guy in your in your intramural team and the guy that cuts your hair and the the barber, if you will, the, the, the guy at the car wash, the barista at Starbucks. I mean, whatever. The point is this. The Bible says these are just people that God puts in your life just through circumstances. And by the way, uh, that, that's a good thing. But we have to stop, and and right here, I want you to differentiate. These are people who aren't going to show up at your funeral. Do you understand that? Okay. They're not coming to your funeral the day you die. And you say, what are you talking about? They're only in your life because of circumstances. Um, Occasionally, you see them. And, you know, you always say hi and you say, oh, Joe, man, he makes the best, uh, you know, vanilla latte. And then one day you show up and you go, where's Joe? And they go, oh, Joe got another job. He got transferred. And you never see them again. It's circumstantial. Uh, 
And the Bible says that as you show yourself friendly, the Bible says they will develop a friendliness with you. Now, um, I have to be honest with you here and say that uh, uh, to this point you're going, okay, I get it. But you have to be careful not to count these people as true friends because they're just not. Um, years ago, I remember speaking to a friend that um, uh, you know, was leaving his ministry and and, uh, you know, I was like, man, he was devastated. He'd been there 20 years as the pastor. And I, I remember going, man, that's a, that's a tough move. And he was just crying. And he said, um, you know, the worst part about it is, I said, what? He goes, in a year, they won't even remember me. And then he started crying like ugly crying. How many of you know the difference between crying and like ugly crying? Okay. I mean, like, you know. Couldn't get the lips to stop quivering. I mean, just nasty stuff. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't want to push him while he was down, but you know what? He was right. The truth is that a lot of people God brings into your life is just circumstantial. And, you know, sometimes you go, oh, man, we're like family here. And before you know it, the Lord moves people and he brings somebody else into your life. Now, these are circumstantial friendships. These are just people that God makes uh, uh, puts across your path now sometimes they go to the next level okay so write this down this is temporary friendships um temporary friendships are you know and many times i wish somebody had told me this again when i was young but temporary friendships are people that god brings into your life for a season can i just remind you what solomon said to everything he said there is a say it season ecclesiastes 3 and he says in a time for every purpose under heaven A time to be born and a time to die. I believe with all my heart that the Bible says you are here, for example, in this season of your life with a purpose. And during that purpose, God brings people into your life to help you fulfill the purpose. Uh, I had incredible friendships uh, even as a kid. I remember in sixth grade, every day after school, I'd get picked up like 20 minutes late. So for 20 minutes, I, I started, you know, shooting basketball with a kid. His name was Josh Taylor. Josh uh, became that, uh, that year a good friend. Before you know it, we were inseparable. From seventh grade all the way till we graduated high school, we were inseparable. God brought him into my life. I will never, ever forget. My dad, as an 18-year-old, I had uh, you know, been dating this gal, and I remember him saying, that's not the woman God has for you. By the way, can I tell you? I thank the Lord that he said that. And he said, I just I don't want you, you know, talking to this girl anymore. And I remember going to Josh's house, who, uh, by the way, I even live in the same neighborhood where Josh used to live. And his parents were in the Air Force. And I remember sitting in the trunk of his uh, car, literally the both, both of us, you know, sitting in the trunk. And uh, we were staring out into, you know, his driveway and with the basketball hoop right there. And we were, uh, before we shot hoops again, this is his 18-year-old young man getting ready to graduate high school. I was like... Man, you know what my dad said? He said, I can't date so-and-so anymore. And I remember he looked at me and he said, well, God has spoken. And he took the ball and just, you know, started shooting hoops like nothing, you know. And I'm like balling over there. I'm dying, you know. Can I be honest with you? God put him in my life for a season. That was one of the most important decisions of my life. And he helped me. Josh is a lawyer now. He lives in Walnut Creek. A couple times I've stopped by and lay over his and just gone over to his house. We've had dinner. And he's a wonderful friend. But can I be honest with you? I remember the day, too, about two months later after we graduated high school. And he said, hey, I decided where to go to college. And I was like, where? And he told me. And it was like on the other side of the world, you know. And I was looking at him like, but I thought we were friends. (laughs) 
I mean, I drove him to the airport. I remember, uh, you know, we traded uh, jewelry. I mean, it was just, you know, we're going to name our kids after each other. They're going to grow up. We'll die together. Can I be honest with you? I see him maybe once every couple of years. And when you're your age, you start to think, what a traitor. I used to walk out of my you know, bedroom and we had the picture of our wedding and the wedding, you know, party. And I used to often think, even as, as a man in the ministry, I'd go, man, that guy doesn't talk to me anymore. They don't even call. He doesn't answer my emails. They're not friends. But the Bible says there's a season. A few years ago, a friend gave me a CD and it basically talked about friendships and the preacher just started reflecting and he said, you know, the average friendship in your life will last five, ten years. And he said, you'll find that for sure about every 20 years, you'll look around and you're surrounded by a different group of friends. Hard to fathom at this moment in your life. But let me tell you how I applied that in my own life. When I was 21 years old, then I started preaching the gospel and I would stand up and I would go, hey, you know, come on and, you know, get saved. And people would get saved and I'd tell them, man, join this church. And we'd have new members class and I would say, this is going to be great. We're going to build the work for God forever. Join us. Jump in the mission. It's the greatest work on earth. There is nothing like the local church and there's nothing like this one. Join in with us. Let's hang in there together. And one day when we die, we're going to be on the rocking, you know, porch of the nursing home holding hands in our rocking chairs. And we're going to go, wasn't that awesome what God did for 49 years while we were together in Lancaster? Woo! Come on! Are you with me? And with a lot of very genuine excitement, a lot of people would react like, yeah! Until something began to happen inevitably. People would begin to come and go, yeah, you know, it's been a great 10 years, but... Uh, you know, we're retiring and we're moving to Florida. Some of them, you know, we're going to go take care of our older parents and some of them would just die. Uh, better yet, some would go plant a church and go, man, God's called us and they'd go through Bible college and some of the best friends ever and some of the kids you thought, man, they're going to stay here forever. They would, you know, become a missionary and they'd leave. And this is important because now I see it completely different. Uh, when somebody comes to our church or our staff team, I'll tell them something like this. Man, I'm so glad the Lord's brought you here. I believe he's led you. And I tell them something like, I believe with all my heart, God has us here for a season with a purpose. And I don't know how that long that season's going to be. It may be 5, 10, or 25 years. I don't know. But I'm so glad God has us together. And by the way, Let's enjoy it. And whenever the Lord decides to move you or me, I tell them, let's look at each other and thank God for the season. Now, so far you're not enjoying the sermon, I can tell. (laughs) But if you really stop and study the Bible and you have a Paul and a Silas and you have a David and a Jonathan... Eventually, you read a few chapters later and you think, man, what they went through, there's no way they could ever, they're inseparable. And just a few chapters later, you find that in God's providence, he separated them. Some because of death, some because of a change of season. So, first step, 
They're circumstantial. Sometimes they become temporary. And by the way, that's a lot of your friendships now. And that's okay. Because many times God's brought them into your life for a purpose, for a season. Enjoy it. Then there's the third level of friendships. The Bible says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. This is a faithful friend. A faithful friend. Now, this is the one I talked about at the beginning. This is the person that begins to serve you. You serve them. And then before you know it, the Bible says there's this bond that's created. And it's special. I remember when my mother died 10 years ago, this past June. And I uh, remember, I can recall since I was... A child, my dad and, uh, and this man, his name was Romeo, you know. <laughs> we used to call his wife Juliet. That wasn't her name, but we did call her that, okay. Aunt Juliet, Uncle Romeo. He wasn't really uh, my uncle, but it seemed that way. His daughters and my sister and I all grew up together. We were all about the same age. We would go to the beach together, vacations together. We would go to Disney World together. It seemed like everything I can remember from the time I was born until about 8, 10 years old, we were always together. The Lord moved our family to the United States, and they, uh, my dad and he stayed in contact. And it was an amazing thing. I'll never forget being in this room and my mom's body here. We were sitting right there, and we were just the family now waiting. Who's going to show up? And I'll never forget when Uncle Romeo, you know, flew in that morning and he came in and now he's like 72 and he struggled to get up here and him and his wife and his two oldest sons and his two oldest daughters, the six of them were sitting about right here. And that touched me. I thought, that's a friend. That's somebody who shows up when you, when you most need it. And I thought, I want to be that kind of friend. Um, The most famous friendships in the Bible was between two men. You know it, right? David and Jonathan. And the Bible says they made a covenant together. That means they cut themselves and they blended blood and they said, listen, here's how it's going to go. To the death. And then they said, that's not enough. Let's go beyond that. If I die, David said, Jonathan, promise me you'll take care of my children. And and Jonathan said, deal. And he said, and if I die, will you promise me you'll take care of mine? Sure enough. Saul dies, Jonathan dies, David becomes king. David, the Bible says, uh, sits on the throne. And and one of the first things he does is, hey, is there any children left of Jonathan's? And the Bible says, they said, yeah, there's a kid. And you guys remember the story, right? He was crippled and they brought him back. And the Bible says that, and by the way, that kid turned out to be a stinker and disloyal and a lot of things. But David took care of him for the rest of his life. For one reason, he had a true friend. His name was Jonathan. And he never forgot the vow. And the bond and what God did with them. If I could be honest with you, God has given me a couple of lifetime faithful friends. And they're few and far between. And they come from the most unexpected places. And when you find one, treasure them. They're a gift of God. They transcend the seasons And the Bible says we don't know how long we have them either. Solomon said, many men will proclaim everyone their own goodness, but a faithful what? Man, who can find? In other words, somebody who will not just say, hey, I'm here to help you. Call me if you need anything. But they actually show up, you know, with the pizzas and the shovel and they're ready to help you. The Bible says that's a tough person to find. And when you find them, the Bible says, 
That's a true friend. So they go from circumstantial now to temporary. And from temporary, the Bible says you'll find some faithful friends, faithful until the death. So my first funeral, I stood up there. I was 21 years old and I came up, uh, you know, and I gave the welcome, the eulogy. And then I introduced Here's the friend of this man that died. And I went and I sat down, you know, and this guy stands up and he gets up there and he could hardly contain himself. He had a white T-shirt and jeans. That was about as well as he could dress. And he got up there, big old guy, and then he just lowered his shoulders and his head. And we were right in front of the gasket and he said, oh, he said, so-and-so, he was my friend. He said, we've known each other since high school. He said, for the last 50 years, we've been close together. We live next door to each other. He said, he gave me the shirt off his back. He's literally, he said, he, he, he was there when every one of my children was born. He saw, he was the first person other than my wife and I to see all of our kids born. And he got through this whole thing. And then he got done and he goes, and I'm going to miss him. And then he lost it. And he went and he sat down. Now I'm sitting there and I'm looking across the aisle and I'm going, oh, this poor guy has to go through the rest of his life without his friend. And then something in here said, I'd like to have that kind of friend. And then I thought, I'd like to be that kind of friend. So... I just want to stop and just basically say, the Bible says that they're a gift of God. Can you read verse 24 with me one more time, just the end? The problem is, the Bible says, there's a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, but there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I also figured out that day that no matter how good a friend is, Can I tell you, Bible college students, there's only one friendship that really counts. And that's that friend that sticks closer than a brother. Uh, The essence of Christianity is that we are friends with God. When you preach the gospel someday, you offer people a personal, intimate relationship. And I have to be honest with you and tell you that it took me even many years in the ministry to get to the point where I wasn't preaching a creed or a plan of salvation. You were preaching a person. That person is Jesus. He is a friend, the only one that sticks closer than a brother, the Bible says. And uh, if you get to the point in your Christian life where you think that a friendship is simply a creed, a practice, a habit, it's just, you know, sharing Starbucks with someone. Let me tell you something, that will become difficult. That's just circumstantial. Can I be honest with you? The only person that says, hey, I'm not going to be your friend through circumstances. Listen, yes, Jesus came into your life at a point where you needed him. But can I tell you something? Then he becomes a temporary friend. And then he becomes a faithful friend. And then you find that he moves with you through the seasons. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, what do I say? How, how about you? Can I just say, isn't it wonderful to have Jesus as your friend? So I'll finish with a couple of stories because I, I don't really normally give that many stories, but I just feel inclined. We were, uh, I was walking around the job site here while we were building the Walther Center, and there was a couple of ladies that, that had a, a stroller. 
they were walking that bike path and and I walked up and, and uh, you know, I said hello and they said hello. And then I noticed one of them, you know, these strollers now are pretty elaborate. How many of you have seen that? You know, they have like GPS and, you know, Coke dispensers. It's an amazing thing. So, you know, one lady had like a double one and then the other one had like a triple. It was like, you know, tri-level here, here. And then there was some poor kid, you know, down in the basement. You know what I'm saying? Like stuck between the tires. And, and so as I was, just, I was just saying hello to them, you know, there's this little hand kind of stuck itself out from the lower level, you know, from the basement, you know, level. And he was like, hey, you know, like, rescue me, you know. And so I kind of got closer and I looked. And, and sure enough, it was this, this little boy. And I'm telling you, I, I love this kid. Uh, he looks like he's about six, but, he, you know, he's really like 11. But he had leukemia years ago. And for three to four years, I would go to the hospital every single week and see him. And it was a couple of bone marrow transplants. I mean, it was just this long ordeal. And praise God, about two years ago, the Lord healed him. So they're walking around, you know, the, the Walther Center. And he's down there and he's like, hey, pastor. And I'm like, oh, hey, man, how you doing? I said, uh, I was going to go walk to the job site and ask his mom. I said, can I take him with me? And he said, sure. So I picked him up and I put him on my shoulders. And we started walking around and we were just, you know, checking things. And I just kept talking to him. And I said, now that's going to be the point. And I said, that, you know, that window. And we were talking about, you know, uh, stuff and just silly things. And, and uh, this is going to be that color. And that's going to be that color. And he was like, oh, cool, you know. And, and we got done and I put him down. And he met up with his mom and he took off. And I'll, I'll never forget that little hand, that little hand. Your Christian walk and your relationship with Jesus is just as simple as just extending your hand. The Lord is there, and He is nigh, the Bible says, over and over to them that diligently seek Him. And you're sitting here today, and you're as stuck and as close to Jesus as you want to be. For some of you, it's as simple as coming today and just going, Lord, I need you. Would you be my friend during this season? And you will find that he'll stick closer, closer than a brother. So I was listening to the radio and this hymn came on that I hadn't heard in a long time, certainly not in English. And I'm going to read it and you know it. It says, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. How many of you would agree with that? And then the author goes on to say, none else could heal all our souls' diseases. I've got a lot of friends. Can I tell you something? None of them can help me with my sin. My soul's diseases. I mean, I've got good friends. I've got a friend we spent a couple days, a couple weeks ago, just, you know, floating on this lazy river as this resort together and on the mission field, just catching up. But can I tell you, the only one that can heal my soul's diseases, the only one that saved me, is Jesus. And then it says, Jesus knows all about our struggles. <laughs> Do you ever try to tell people your struggles and they look at you like, uh, I'm trying to understand. I mean, uh, and they give you this blank stare like, I'm, I, I, and I've come to the terms that the only one that knows all about my struggles is Jesus. 
He will guide till the day is done. Uh, I've got some good friends, and I mean, the kind that all they have to do is give me a look, and I know exactly what they're thinking. I mean, it's awesome. The Bible says that the Lord says he will guide you with his eye. You know, I have found that our Savior, he is very clear. He doesn't mince words, and he's concise and to the point. You don't ever have to wonder what he's thinking. He will guide I hope you figure out in your life right now, God will guide, you must follow. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Uh, There's absolutely no deeper friendship you can have than to be the friend of God. Can I be honest with you? I'm a relational guy. I love to be around people. But I have found that if my relationship with the Lord isn't what it should be, and my friendship with Him isn't what it should be, and I don't feel like He's close and He's real and He's near, and I don't talk to Him like He's just any other person, and I don't, and I don't sense that, you know what happens? Ministry becomes monotony. The Christian life becomes a burden. My spirit becomes cynical. People never do enough for me. And it all goes back to this. Stretching out your hand. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. Say it. No, not one. 